Good morning. I get um, a little reflective every once in a while. I think it comes more with age than anything else because I'm not real super sentimental. But, you know, Father's Day is one of those times to reflect a little bit on, on being a father. And, you know, I confess, I was not, uh, I am not a perfect grandfather. Uh, I certainly was not a perfect father, as my uh, adult children are very eager to remind me as often as they can. But besides that, you know, we do the best we can, right? We make the best decisions that we can. We're human, we err, and we, can, we, you know, we kind of build from there. So, you know, your example of fatherhood may be great, um, may have great experiences, may not be not so great, maybe none, right, if you didn't have a father at home growing up, and that happens. But despite all of that, we do have a perfect example, and that perfect example is our Father in Heaven. Dr. E.V. Hill preached at a Promise Keepers rally in Chicago on two words, and that is, God is. And in his own style, right, he pressed home the point that everything in the universe flows from this one truth, that God is. And he would preach for a while, and he would say, God is. And then he would preach a while longer, and he would say, or whisper, or even yell, God is. And he's right. Figure this out. Figure this one truth out, and you've got a handle, basically, on life. Deny this, and nothing else in the world or in life makes sense. Either God is, or he isn't. And if he is, that changes absolutely everything. In Exodus 3.14, voice from the burning bush told Moses to tell the people that I am has sent you. What exactly does that mean? The only f- further explanation that he gave is, I am who I am. Which points to God's eternal self-existence. If you know that God is, and that he is the great I am, you know the most fundamental truth in the universe. And so, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew, starting in Matthew 6, verse 9, it reads, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we're all, I think, familiar, if you spend any time in church at all, familiar with that prayer. But it begins with a very simple statement that we often kind of gloss over and run past. And that is where Jesus invites us to say, Our Father, when we pray. The key to understanding the Lord's Prayer is the key to understanding what that phrase means. First, when you you say, Our Father in Heaven, you're admitting that you do not pray alone. The Lord's Prayer is not a private prayer. The words, I and me, never appear anywhere in it. You're admitting that you're not the only one in the world who has a concern to bring to God. To begin with, the word our means that you're in a fellowship and a community of God's children around the world. And this is an important insight because it's very easy to become me-oriented when we pray. But when you pray, Our Father, you're confessing that your problems are not the only problems in the world. You're admitting that there are millions of people all over the world that have concerns that are just as great as yours. 
To pray like this imparts a bigness and an expansiveness to your prayer because it includes all of God's children everywhere. When we pray our Father as a congregation, we cease to be individuals coming to church with our own particular burdens. Instead, we become part of a family with a common heritage and burdens that we share together. And it's that family of brothers and sisters is even more decisive than a biological family. It's a family that created by new birth and made possible by the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ for our redemption. So the first step in prayer is to learn to call God Father. So that's a very crucial theological point. The first step in prayer is to learn to call God Father. In the true biblical sense, the only people who can do that are those who are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, starting with verse 26, says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I know it's very popular in some circles today, to say, we're all God's children. Everyone in the world is God's children. And it's said kind of with a glibness, if you were, that blurs the distinctions between those who know Christ Jesus and those who don't. In contrast to those who would apply the Lord's Prayer to everybody, even to non-Christians, we must declare that it is a prayer only true Christians can pray. It's a uniquely Christian prayer that is based on Christian truth, and it is intended for those who have been born into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. Charles Hayden Spurgeon notes that it's not a general prayer intended for the masses, but instead a prayer for the disciples of Christ, those who have been converted by the saving grace of God. Second, you're to call him our Father. When you call God Father, you're saying that there is one in heaven who hears and knows and understands and cares. Whatever a good father on earth would do for his children, that's what God in heaven will do for his children. My father and I couldn't be more different. He grew up a tough, rough country boy, and I was a wimpy city kid. He loved to fish, and I hated it. He loved to work hard and build things, and I hated it. I loved to read. I did well, pretty well in school when I applied myself. He only graduated from the fifth grade. But even though we were so different, I knew that he loved me and that there was nothing that he would not do for me that was good for me. My father is gone now, has been for about 15 years, but he's not forgotten. And he lives on in me and through me. And I've tried to commit that same confidence of love and care that my father gave me in my own kids. You see, sons and daughters have family rights that guarantee them access to their father. That's a big part of what being a father is all about. My children or grandchildren don't need an appointment to see me. They don't have to schedule it in between ball games or anything else. And I don't need an appointment to see my heavenly father. Even in the midst of running the entire universe, keeping the stars in their place, overseeing six billion people with troubles, cares, worries of their own, God still has time for each and every one of us. He listens to us as if he had no one else to listen to. Therefore, when you say, Our Father in heaven, 
you're proclaiming that he is your father. And he has the power and authority to hear you and to help you when you pray and that there's nothing that he wouldn't do for you. See, we have a friend in a high place. We have friends in high places. When we pray to our Father who is in heaven, that's usually kind of a throwaway for us. It's kind of stuck on the end of the line of the verse. We tend to think that it means that earth is where we are and heaven is where God is, which is out there. We always go, heaven, God, you know, the man upstairs. It's always some other distant place. The phrase in heaven, though, refers to heaven and the place where God exists in the center of the universe and the seat of all authority and power and dominion and greatness. You're on earth and therefore you're limited to this little ball of of earth, this little ball of dirt floating around in the sun in a little corner of a huge galaxy among millions and millions and millions of other galaxies. To say that we are on earth means that we are praying and starting from a position of weakness and comparative insignificance. God is in the seat of all authority and all power over everything of existence and even beyond. Therefore, when you say, Our Father in heaven, you're proclaiming that He has the power and the authority to hear you and to help you when you pray, no matter what it is that you're asking for. Precisely that because God is in heaven and that seat of authority, that He has the power to help you. Think of it this way. When we say our, we say, I pray with others. When we say, our Father, we're saying, I pray to one who cares about me. And when we say, our Father in heaven, I pray to one who cares about me and has the power to help me and do what I need. Every single word is important. Every single word is crucial. Our opens you up to the big view of the universe. Father encourages you to believe and know that he cares. In heaven means you don't have a problem that he can't handle. You don't have a need in your life that he can't meet because he's the Father in heaven who hears and answers prayer. That gives us a whole new way of looking at God. And without a doubt, the central word is Father. quick glance through the concordance will show you that the name Father is applied to God in the Old Testament very infrequently. And when it does... It always refers to God as the father of the nation of Israel. When we come to the New Testament, we discover something completely different. Jesus called God Father more than 60 times. So why the enormous difference? Why the huge change? Because the revelation of God as our personal Father is based on the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. It's not that he wasn't a father to his people in the Old Testament, but that's not the primary way that he revealed himself. Only in the New Testament do we discover that God is now the Father of those who come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. The word Father in the Bible means three basic things. First, it refers to a sense of paternity or origin. God is the source of all that you have, all that you are. When we sing the doxology, we begin with the words, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Or as in Acts 17.25 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. When you call God Father, you declare that our ultimate origin rests with Him. Secondly, the word Father speaks of paternal authority. He is God, and you're not. He's running the show. 
and you're not. He is Father. You are His child. We can't use God's love as an excuse to reject His right to rule over us. He is and has the ultimate authority whether we want to give it to Him or not. Because He is our Father in heaven, He has the right to do as He pleases, even if it doesn't always make sense to us. And He may send us pain and circumstances that frustrate us, but we can't act like spoiled children when this happens. We should affirm our confidence in His goodness toward us at all times, no matter what the circumstances. Third, when you call God Father, you confess that He is a God of tender, loving care. There's a Hebrew word in the Old Testament. It's hased, uh, which is translated different ways. In the King James, hased is usually translated as loving kindness. As in, thy loving kindness is better than life. Newer translations take that concept and add the concept of faithfulness to it. This word speaks of God's loyal love to all his children. It's a love that keeps on loving no matter what we do. No matter how badly we blow it, or how many dumb mistakes that we make, He is a God that never lets His children go. He loves His children with an everlasting love that is faithful and loyal no matter what happens or what we do. My Father in Heaven cares about me. When we were far away, He loved us. When we turned our back on Him, He loved us. When we broke His law, He loved us. When we went our own way, He loved us. When we said, leave us alone, we don't want you around anymore, he said, I'm going to hang around anyway. And when we ran, he followed. And when we hid, he found us. When we cursed to his face, he just smiled and said, I love you anyway. That's what a loyal love is all about. That's the father's love for his children. And he is always near us, whether we see him, or feel him, or whether we believe he's there or not. He calms our fears. He cheers us on. He provides us what we really need. Ultimately, the Lord's Prayer answers the greatest question of the universe. Is there anybody up there that cares about me? You've not done anything, and you can't do anything that would make God stop loving you. Stop. End of discussion. Right there. And you're thinking to yourself, but you don't know what I did this week, or you don't know what I did last year. That's all right. God knows. I may not know. The person sitting next to you may not know. God knows all. He knows what you've done, what you've thought, what you haven't done, and he still loves you. You've never even imagined anything that could make God stop loving you. No matter how far away from God you feel like you are, he still loves you. No matter what sin you've committed, he still loves you. You don't understand that he still loves you. He still loves you. I don't care. I'm going my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. He still loves you. And when you're ready, he'll be ready. When you turn around, and you will, he'll be standing at the door there waiting to welcome you back. That is the mighty, the inconceivable, the unmeasurable love of God. The love of God who we get to call Father. So the Lord's Prayer answers the greatest question of the universe. Is there anybody that loves me? Is there anybody up there that watches over me? Is there anybody up there who knows my name? Who knows me? And the answer comes back, yes, 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 and doubly yes. There is a God in heaven who cares about you, and he is called our Father. The Lord's Prayer is the answer 
to the deepest problem of mankind, the problem of fatherlessness. The Lord's Prayer that reminds us that if we know Jesus Christ, we're not orphans in this world or in the universe or in the next world. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the image of God within each one of us, and there is that imprint of God inside each one of us, it's been marred by sin. I picture a piece of paper that has the words God's image printed on it. And before Adam and Eve sinned, that paper was clean and smooth and perfect and pristine. But now for us, that paper is dirty and crumpled and maybe a little torn. But nothing, absolutely nothing, brothers and sisters, can destroy it. Despite all our favor, all our failures, we still want to know God. And we still want to find meaning in life, but just don't know where to look. We were made to know God and we want to know Him. But our sin has separated us from God. And as a result, we are left with a deep father hunger that will not go away. And there's only one way to fill and to, to satiate that hunger. And that is with our Father in Heaven through Jesus Christ. So on this Father's Day, I know there's no baseball right now, so we don't have an excuse to sit and watch baseball, and there's no football, and basketball isn't time yet. It's kind of, what do you do? Spending time with my family is always a blessing on Father's Day, especially then because the kids got to pretend that they really thought Dad was cool, and they gave him things and showered some attention on him, and that's always fun, right? Um, especially when they're little. It's just, it's just so cute. We ultimately need to reflect not only on ourselves as fathers, but as children of our Heavenly Father. Please believe me, church. There is nothing you can do today or tomorrow that will separate you from God, from His love. There's nothing that will make Him not love you. Nothing. Can I say it again? Nothing. You wandered away. You come back. Wandered again. He still loves you. And that is just immeasurable. And I know I'm kind of repeating myself, if you will, but it's just, it's so basic and yet so important to grasp the undying love of God as the guiding factor um, in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. If you need that renewed, I mean, feel free. I I want you to come up and have prayer time. The elders would be loved to, to pray with you, to spend time with you. If you just want to celebrate that love, do so also. But be thankful. The greatness of God's love that he has bestowed upon us. Go ahead and stand with me and let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this, the abundance of love that we get to celebrate and we get to enjoy. I thank you for the perfectness of your love. And I thank you for the never-ending love that you offer to us. I pray that we would embrace it every day, that we would celebrate it, and that we would share it. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.